Hello and welcome to the Highway to Health show. I am your host, Dr. E, the Stem Cell Guy. In this episode, I am joined by Shannon Rollins. Shannon is a keynote speaker, career coach, and life coach with more than eight years of experience enabling individuals to improve their mental health and physical well-being through one-on-one coaching, group wellness programs, corporate workshops, and health education services. And if you're looking for credentials, well, she's got plenty, starting with a master's of science degree in health education and behavior from the University of Florida, but she's also a certified health education specialist, a master's certified life coach, a certified integrative health coach, and a certified career coach. Stick around and learn how Shannon helps business professionals create life balance, stress relief, and improve their mental health and well-being. If you're tuning in for the first time, Welcome to our show. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. New episodes come out every Wednesday. And for everyone else, welcome back. Before we go on to today's interview, let me remind you that this show is sponsored and produced by another one of my companies, PodcastInABox.co. I came up with the idea for Podcast in a Box after I realized that I had been meaning to start a podcast for two years and just kept putting it off. I had already spent a couple thousand dollars in courses. I was in forums. I had read two books about it and basically had been, quote unquote, learning how to do it while not actually doing it. If that sounds at all familiar to you and you're tired of seeing so many new podcasts come up and yours is still just an idea, then Podcast in a Box might be exactly what you need. Our team at Podcast in a Box can handle anything and everything that has to do with planning, launching, editing, publishing, and marketing your podcast. We can do as much or as little as you need us to do to finally get your podcast going and getting you the attention of your ideal audience. To find out more and see if your idea is worthy of a podcast, just head on over to podcastbox.co and click on the appropriate button. When prompted, make sure to mention Dr. E's Highway to Health show and the How Did He Hear About Us section. Now, speaking about podcast production, I want to ask you to please... Bear with me and my guests in this and still a couple of the upcoming episodes. Since, as you know, they've been recorded during COVID and we're both at home, usually on a shared family Wi-Fi. So there will be drops and connection here and there. The guys at Podcast in a Box, well, they're great. So they do a great job as well at salvaging most of the conversation. But there are usually still certain places where there is nothing that can be done to avoid it. I think they're barely noticeable, but I'll let you be the judge of that. In any case, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Shannon Rollins. And remember, you are on the highway to health and I'm your guide to get you there. Are you ready to live ageless? Want to discover alternative health choices, cutting edge nutrition and fitness for the entire family? Welcome to Highway to Health Show with your host, Dr. E, the stem cell guy, where Dr. E helps you live ageless. And now, here's your host, Dr. E. Hello, and welcome back to the Highway to Health show. I'm your host, Dr. E, the stem cell guy, and joining me today is Shannon Rollins. Shannon, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Can't complain. Plus, it's not a use, right? (laughs) So, Shannon, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how do you get started doing what you're currently doing? Yes. So I'm a certified life and career coach. And then I also am a corporate wellness consultant. So I offer workshops to companies for their employee health and employee mental health. And really, I mean, how I got into this line of work is I worked in corporate wellness for about 10 years. 
And when I was doing that, I was creating wellness programs, creating stress management programs for employees. And it was really interesting because a lot of companies decide to have on-site fitness centers. And so I would help manage that as well. And so a lot of employees would come in and the primary thing that they would complain about is their job. And so I was thinking, I'm onto something here. If they're always coming in, you know, when you're doing any type of personal training or when you're doing group exercise programs with employees, they're always going to share a little more as long as they trust you. And so when I would talk to them, they would always either complain about their boss or their coworkers not communicating or their their work-life balance, the hours that they're working and, and the nature of their work, they're just not happy where they are. And so I knew I wanted to make a bigger impact. And so that's why I started my business because I primarily wanted to focus on helping companies and helping individual people who work in the corporate nine to five to become happier where they are, or if they have to make a transition, whatever that means for them too. Why do you think that we're seeing so much on happiness in the workplace in general? Why do you think this has, is this something that just became popular as a term, or is this something that actually is happening more than it was before? I mean, I think it's a couple different thoughts and theories. A big one for me, I think, is from what I hear from the clients that I work with is that the society of work hasn't changed at much. The grind of the, you know, the nine to five or work 60 hours a week and get rewarded. But I think what'll happen over time is employees, they're working at a certain job and they almost think it's wrong that they don't like where they are. And so they stay there longer than they need to. I always tell people there's about a five to seven lifespan. I say that in quotes, five to seven lifespan of where you just want to grow more and a big human need is growth. And so if we're staying in our same position and we've maxed out and we've learned all that we need to learn, some people get really down on themselves and almost guilt themselves into saying, well, they gave me a good job and I guess I should stay here, even though I hate my boss, quotes, <laughs> and even though I don't like working with this person and I'm kind of stagnant, but I feel like I need to stay here. And so people feel stuck. Actually, the common term I hear is stuck. I feel stuck. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go with this. And I always tell them to start with, Hey, give yourself a little bit of grace because this is completely normal. Like to, it's great if someone finds a career where you can stay in that job for 20 years and be happy as a clam. And I've seen it. My mother is one of them. She loves what she does. And I love that. But most of the people that I talk to, they feel stuck. I don't think that to go back to your primary question, I don't think this is something that's new. I just think that people are vocalizing more about it and trying to find solutions because mental health claims and companies are rising, still um, using those types of extra benefits that companies offer, but they're still not offering enough, in my personal opinion, to employee health and to employees' mental health as well. Gotcha. Yeah. But the thing is, and the reason why I ask is because nowadays it's very common for people to have, you know, 
a different job every two, three, four years or to switch careers and to jump around. I mean, I've done it personally. Just what you were describing when I was running a stem cell clinic for a group in Cancun, it was very, you know, it was very successful. I was chief medical officer there. I had no real bosses. I mean, there was the owner, but he never really got in the business. However, I did feel like there was no room for me to grow. It was like, okay, this is the top. There's nowhere else for me to go from here. The owners weren't interested in expanding or in adding another clinic or in anything. So that was the thing. And whenever I vocalized that, you know what, that I was looking for other things, they would just throw more money at me, which a lot of the times people think like, well, that's a good problem to have. But then again, you figure out, you realize, yeah, but I don't know if 20, 30 years down the road, I want to look back and say, I spent all my career here. So that's one of the reasons why I asked, because now it's very common. However, back in the 70s, back in the 60s, people had the same career for life. And there wasn't much of a corporate ladder. I mean, there was, but people would go in and there was entry jobs and their lifetime jobs. And that was it. They would have an entry job and eventually go into a lifetime job. And we didn't hear so much about them being unhappy. It was just it's, it's work, right? So what has changed, do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think that, I mean, you gave a perfect example. And it made me think of my parents as well, because you're kind of raised to do what essentially what your parents think you're good at, <laughs> right? Because I mean, our friends and family are wonderful, but they give us the advice that we don't need all the time because they're not, they don't know. We drive the boat or we should drive the boat. And so a big portion of what has happened as well is even the generations have changed. The generations of those, like you gave an example back in the sixties, back in the seventies, I'm even like thinking back to my grandparents, for example, they were taught like when they move into a position, this is kind of how it works. This is what happens. And then as you're moving forward, that this is just what you're good at. This is what you do. And that still does happen um, in our society. But even I believe, for example, with millennials and with those who are a little younger, I think what's happening is they're being taught like, hey, if you're not happy, then move on. If you're not expanding, then move on. And a part of that too is probably the in certain workplaces, what I have seen is that it's almost like the most no pain, no gain mentality where it's very cutthroat sometimes. And I've talked to people where they're like, yeah, I mean, I've been working 70 hours a week for years and years and I haven't gotten a raise and it's just the way it is. And so people are stepping up more now and saying, no, this doesn't have to be the way it is. Like ask for the raise if you need the raise and you deserve it. And so I coach people through that as well. If they feel like they're not getting paid enough, this is the conversation that we should go through. And this is how you should approach your boss and really going through role playing and, and talking to them about how do you approach? When's the right time to approach? How should you open the conversation and being able to leverage that more as well? Well, I think there's two sides to that conversation because a lot of the times, you know, also as an entrepreneur and in having employees, a lot of the times people feel like they should be getting a raise or they should be getting paid more because they've been with the company for X amount of years and because they've been working for X amount of time. But truth of the matter is if they continue doing the exact same job for three or four or five years, they don't have five years of experience. They have one year of experience repeated five times because they're not growing. They're not delivering more value to the company. So I think this is something that I always emphasize. Obviously, with my background, it's always based on, on health. But I think that developing ourselves is incredibly important and becoming more valuable 
to your place of employment because that alone can signify growth. Is this something that you see with the people that you coach, with the companies that we work for? Yes. I'm so happy you brought that up because how the conversation goes, as I say, you don't march in there and ask for a raise right away. You march in there and say, how can I be more valuable? How can I help you more? How can I grow more in this company? Are there any new projects that we can take on? You take that back and you do that for a little bit and then you come back and you say, you know, I really feel that I'm happy to take on more projects. I really want to expand in a new role. And I teach them to provide, you always want to provide value if you're asking for something in return. It's it's a give and take. It's not a take and take. And like you said, as an entrepreneur for me as myself, a lot of companies, a lot of bosses or companies intuitively think that employees are just, every time you have an employee step into your office and say, hey, can I talk to you about something? Nine times out of 10, it's because they want something. So the bosses are being intuitively, subconsciously trained. Hey, every time Susie comes into the office, she's asking for something. Rather than if Susie comes in the office and says, hey, I really want to expand and grow. I want to figure out where I can help more. There are new initiatives we're trying to bring on board. Like, how can I build my skills more? And how can I, how can I be more of an asset to you? How can I be your right-hand man? The boss would be shocked because they never hear that. Like not uh, uh, very often, it's not heard of for someone to go in as much and be like a very frank conversation, very transparent. How can I offer this value? So I'm really happy you brought that up because you are 100% right. Yeah, I think it is something that is definitely worth exploring because as we start becoming more cognizant about this. And as as we start becoming more aware of, listen, we only have one life and do we really want to spend it here? Do we really want to spend it surrounded by these people? Do we really want to spend it working with these clients? And and it doesn't necessarily have to be bad clients. It just be, you know, it might be something that you don't feel like doing your entire life or your entire career or spending time with somebody else. I think those things are very well worth analyzing and reviewing and considering, but it's also very, very important to think, okay, what can I as a performer bring to the table? And I always tell people every time that I've worked at a company and I've I've led a team, it always is, listen, we're not a family, we're a high performance team. And what happens with high performance teams is that when a player that you might've paid millions of dollars to bring into your team stops performing, you trade him or you trade her. And that's just the way it works. So that's kind of like the mentality that I always say. And same thing, when you bring in a rookie, they might come in with a very entry-level salary. But if they start developing and they start performing, then they move up to a different role and to a different salary, which is what a lot of times you know, employees want. But money is not the only thing that people look for. What are other things that these people that you work with are a lot of the times looking for or interested in improving in their life? That's a great question. Money is high on the list. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> Most of what I hear is they're not getting paid enough, of course. But another big one that I hear is they really want to have more flexibility. And especially, you know, now that companies are moving more remote, before remote was unheard of, and now it's being adopted so much more through Zoom and, you know, online Slack and those types of platforms which I think is great because people have families and they want that flexibility. And below, I would say what I see is pay is number one and below is either flexibility or benefits. But usually those that I speak to, they want to be able to go home when they're done with work and not be spaced out thinking about 
their clients that are calling them at 8 p.m. when they're trying to put their daughter to bed. They just, they don't want that. And it's not worth it for many people. They say, you know what? I've decided that my number one priority is family and I need this flexibility. And so I'll take a pay cut for that. And it's very valid. Kudos to those who are doing that. And that's probably the most that I'm seeing is flexibility. That's actually a really good point that you bring up because I've often here in the podcast spoken about that, how if you ask any person out there, what is the most important thing in your life? I highly doubt anyone will say work, my job. However, it is the one place where we end up spending most of our time both physically and mentally, because you're very well off. A lot of times we don't know how to switch off. And I definitely want to talk about work-life balance with you here in the rest of this conversation. But if we don't ever switch off, then we're still at work. We're constantly at work. And Jim Rohn had a saying about those kind of things and how you felt guilty if all the time you were thinking about being at work. And then when you're finally at work, you're thinking that, oh my God, I don't spend enough time with my family. So when you're at work, you're thinking about your family, your, your family, you're thinking about work. So that just keeps our mind going and going. So it's really good to see that you're recognizing that. And I'm assuming coaching your clients through that, right? Yes. Yeah. There are just some examples. When I speak to some clients, they'll tell me, you know, I don't know how to turn it off. I'm always thinking about work and I don't know how, and I need to get away with it, away from it. Because what will happen is you ask people and what I do is I take them through a values exercise and, and we'll figure out, okay, what are your top values? But what are the top values you're living through today? Because if you're not matching your values with your actions, there's a reason why they're coming to see me. There's some type of friction going on. There's something that's not balanced out. Like you said, family is always number one, love and family always number one. And then you'll have probably like work maybe is number two or something else. But then you look to the other side of what they're actually living through and work is always number one. And it's not what they want it to be, but it's the actual action that's happening. It's an automatic. And it's because people are also wanting to feel value. And what I'm even finding is people want to feel at the end of the day, many people want to feel loved. They want to feel valued and loved. And so they're getting it from two different sources, but they're almost battling each other. You're getting love from your family, but you're also getting love from your job. If you're getting rewarded and you feel needed, you feel like you're doing a good job. And so you're fulfilling that on the other end as well. And so I help them restructure it. Hey, this is what it looks like. Family's number one, but then you're acting in this way. And so I take them through some of those quote, turnoffs, turning it off in the afternoon and having at home hours. A great example is like someone that I worked with, okay, you have office hours, but now you have at home hours. So block off that time. And I don't care what you have to do, but make a promise to yourself, make a commitment to yourself to take your phone and put it in another room or have a designated at home office basket that you and your husband use. So then you could take that time to turn it off. And it's difficult at the very beginning and you feel anxiety come up because when you become attached, you're training your brain to always look at your phone and training it to always check emails. And so being able to fight through that quote first withdrawal phase is what I call it. And then you're so much better off, but taking time to put yourself as a priority because then you will perform better at work. You will hands down. I see it time and time again. You will feel because once you get in the next day, you won't feel burnout 
and you'll be eager to see your emails. You'll be eager to get started and get a lot done because you had that time away just to refunction and fill your cup more with your family. Yeah, for sure. And that is going back to the high performers analogy. That is something that every high performance athlete does as well. And even high performers in entrepreneurship and in every other field, that's exactly what they do. So the best surgeon is not in the OR every day, all day. They go in there when they need to. And once they're off, they're off and they switch off and they're not doing operations and the best football players, they go in and they train hard and then they have days off. And that's the hard part because most overachievers, most high performers, they will want to continue doing it. And coaches will tell you that the hard part with the Olympic athletes is not getting them to train. They like training. It's getting them to rest and it's getting them to turn off and it's getting them to do all these other things. So it's really good that you bring it up. Now, what else or what is this whole thing about work-life balance? Because that's another term that has definitely changed in the last few years. You know, we used to think that, well, work-life balance means that I work five hours and I'm, you know, I have life for five hours and it's a nice trade-off and it's balanced. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So the term really has changed to life balance. A lot of people are using life balance instead. And the reason for that is because your work is your life and your life is your work. You can't spend more than 90,000 hours of work in your lifetime and probably more for many. It's one of those things where you're spending so you're spending the majority of your time at your job. And so why are we separating the two? Because that is your life. You don't walk into the workplace and then your life turns off. And it's this whole other, it's segregating two different areas of your life when we want to look at the person as a whole. And we want to be able to look at, okay, your entire life, here are all the areas of your life. What do you love about them? And what might you not care for as much? And let's work on all of it together. So that's kind of why that life balance has structured quite a bit. Because like you said before, it was very much like, okay, so your work life, you get off and then you go home and focus on your home life. But then when you're focusing on all of it together, it's like, well, what can I improve more in my work that will help me enjoy my day during the day and at home as well? And then the way we respond to stress, who you are in work is who you are at home. Whether we like it or not, the way we're responding to stressful situations or to conflict, we're still the same person. Whether we're dressing more professionally or talking more professionally in the workplace, you still have the same thoughts you know, that are coming through during the day and at home as well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if you work at a company, if you're a CEO, if you're a surgeon and you're having trouble at home, if one of your kids is getting in trouble, if, you know, your spouse is sick, you have a sick relative or anything like that, that's going to affect your work performance. It's not like you say, well, well that, that's personal. So I'm not bringing that in the office. I'm like, no. I was about to say that. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say all the managers and everyone who say, leave it at the door. And that's great. But if you're grieving, or if you on a fight with your spouse, or like you said, your kids are acting up, it's still going to stay in your mind. It's going to be bouncing around when you're at work. And to be able to address these things in an open form, you said something earlier that I thought was really interesting because I read a book and they said the same thing about companies who tell everyone we're a big, happy family. And this is an opinion, so you could push back a little bit, but I don't think you will. Companies doing that, I think that they're doing a disservice. And the reason I say that is because 
they're teaching everyone that you're a big, happy family. And it could do a couple things. It could create someone to think that they have to respond. Well, we're a big, happy family and it's 9 p.m. and my VP just texted me, so I better respond right away. It's taking away personal boundaries. And that is huge. With the work, all it is with work-life balance or life balance, whatever we want to call it, it's just setting boundaries, setting personal boundaries. That's all it means. I mean, even we could take that away altogether, the work-life balance and just say personal boundaries, like the boundaries of not, you don't have to respond to the email. They will live. They can get a response in the morning when you pick back up. And a lot of people still struggle with thinking that personal boundaries are wrong when they're not. Yeah, I completely agree. And the person that I learned this from is my mentor, Darren Hardy. And what he actually said about that whole idea of, you know, thinking that you're a big, happy family is that you're also creating entitlement because let's assume that, you know, your real family and your son or your daughter, they start completely acting up. And they're being rude and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're spending your money and they're losing things. And, you know, they're just costing you a fortune. Are you going to fire them? No, they're your family. You're stuck with them and they're stuck with you. And just bringing that idea into the workplace, that also creates that entitlement because, well, we're a happy family. So, you know, you're going to cut me some slack. And as a boss, you also feel like, oh, my God, how am I going to get rid of this person, even though that person might be affecting the rest of the team and the rest of the, you know, of your clients even. So those are the reasons. And obviously what you very well said, personal boundaries. Uh, one of the things that I always work with my team when I was leading a larger team um, a couple of years ago, and I said, listen, I work weird hours, but that doesn't mean that you have to work those weird hours. I say, when you leave the office, don't have those email notifications on your phone. Maybe I see something and I run across something that I need to check with one of you guys. I'll shoot you an email. But if I'm shooting you an email on Sunday at you know, 10 or 11 in the morning, it doesn't mean that you need to respond back then. Just, I just want it to be in your inbox so that when you are switching back on, you can respond to it. Yeah. And so, that, I mean, that's such a great point because many managers or many leaders, they don't communicate that with their team. And so they're sending it and they might not expect to get an answer back. But then on the other people get stressed. Yes. (laughs) But then on the other end of the spectrum, everyone thinks they need to respond right away. I used to have someone that I worked with, one of my bosses, and they did the same thing. And I eventually just asked them. I just came in and said, do you expect me to respond? Just a candid conversation. But then some employees are afraid to ask. They're afraid of the response of depending on who the boss is. So then also being able to restructure how to best bring that up and just just asking, like, what are your expectations of me? And because many, many bosses don't, they don't bring it up or they don't mention it that, hey, even though I send it, I've received emails at 3 a.m. And I'm like, well, they probably just can't sleep and they're in bed and they're going to forget. You'll forget if you don't get it out there. So, Or I travel. I've always traveled a lot. Right now, we're in Spain, and I used to come here a lot as well when we were back in Cancun because my wife is from Spain. So sometimes I'm working here in Spain, and it's a completely different time zone. So I might be sending out an email at you know 10 in the morning or 9 in the morning, and it's midnight over there or 1 or 2 a.m. It doesn't necessarily mean that you know they should be responding. But let's switch gears a little bit here. And most of our listeners 
as you very well know, their moms, their dads, they're already juggling a lot at home. They already have those responsibilities. They also have jobs that they need to understand. So why don't you help us with some actionable advice for all of them actually listening to us right now and thinking, you know what, that does sound a lot like me. I'm not fulfilled. I'm not happy. I think that I'm not performing at my best, which I'm sure is something that you've heard quite often. What are the first couple of places to look out for or first couple of things to look out for before we even start changing or trying to change anything? Well, if someone is unhappy and they know that they're unhappy or they're just not really sure, let's just go down the road if they're not really sure at first. I always ask them questions and it's really my, are you uninspiring at work questionnaire? (laughs) And the main questions are, are you bored? That's a big one. If you're bored, we already know you're not too inspiring and upbeat just because you are bored. Are you energized? The best performers are passionate and energized. And passion is a whole other conversation, so I won't go there. But are you feeling passion towards what you're doing? If you aren't, if your answers are no to those questions and even going deeper into other questions and you just know wholeheartedly, hey, I'm not happy where we're going, then I help you identify, okay, what are the things that you're happy with or and what are the things you're unhappy with? So for actionable advice, someone who is unhappy with your job, make two columns, write down what are things I really like about this job, then another column, what are things that... Mm, I could do without (laughs) with this job. And so when you look at that list, you can get a really good identifier of the things that you can control with it and the things you cannot control. So I usually tell people what we do is we take that list of things that you don't like as much and we focus on that list and we say, okay, what are the things you actually can control about this list? They circle the things they can control. Just an example the stress you're feeling, you know, being able to reframe your thoughts. That's a big one. Maybe a project to get done. That's a thing that you can control if you're in charge of the project or you're the one actually doing it. But the majority of things we can't control (laughs) that people write down. So we really focus on, okay, what can we do here? If it's the boss, then I take them into action steps. What are some conversations that we can have? What don't you like about your boss? Because oftentimes, if it's the boss example, they don't know how you're feeling. Other times, if the boss is really just negative and they're toxic and not great for the company, and there's not as much you can do about it, sometimes you end up having to change roles, you change positions. So just to sum it up, some of the primary categories, primary areas that I see people struggle with, like we did talk about a little before, is interpersonal relationships in the workplace. That includes your boss or your coworkers. Focusing on communication and how to have those hard, really tough conversations that people want to avoid. It's tough, but oftentimes when you talk to a coworker or talk to someone, they're like, oh, I had no idea that's how you're feeling. I've heard that so much. And then number two is pay. Focusing on how can I bring more value to the company? How can I start to stand out more? So then they see the value before I go in and ask for a raise. Sorry to interrupt you, but how often is actually getting more money the answer? Because the reason I asked you this is a lot of the times 
employees feel like they're being underpaid when in reality what happens is that they're overspending how much they're making. And so they think that, okay, if I can make more money, then I will be able to spend however much I'm currently spending, and I won't be stressing towards the end of the month. But in reality, what really starts happening a lot of the times with these kind of employees, and and I know because I've seen it with my employees, is that they simply just raise their spending habits when they get more money. So they're in the exact same position three, four, five months later. So that's why I'm asking, how often is really making more money or getting paid more really the answer for these And quite honestly, a lot of it is if someone wants more money, they're usually thinking that it is going to solve a problem. (laughs) It's going to solve one of their problems, like the nature of the work. That was like a third thing that they're just either, they're not passionate about what they're doing. They are a person who wants to stand in front and do sales and they're stuck in an office doing reports all day. So with that, it's with the pay, some people say, man, I just need to get paid more and I'll like this job better. But that's usually not the answer. Usually the pay tacks on to another issue that's going on, which can be worked on. But I mean, like you said as well, it's one of those things where when you're pulling back to the core of it, oftentimes it's not really what they're looking for. Yeah, it's exactly, it's, it's literally value. what happened to me. It's it's literally what happened to me, not so much on the value side, but you know, the company that I was working for, the clinic and the lab, it was, I was involved with it. And then it was purchased by a much larger group and they had a lot of different businesses and they really, they had a lot of money. They didn't really care that much about growing this one business. And so whenever I expressed my discomfort, they just thought it was about money. So they just literally threw more money at me. And, you know, the first couple of times, like, okay, well, cool. Now I'm making more money. And then you realize like, well, this is really what I'm looking for. And you realize that a lot of the times people think or wrongly assume that it's just about the money when in reality, sure, it is important. And that's what I always told my team. Like, listen, money is important. Let's not kid ourselves. We all love what we do. But if we were billionaires, we probably wouldn't be coming here every day just for the love of it. So (laughs) everyone would (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So let's let's just be honest about it. We come here because we need money. And, you know, there's many ways of getting money. And we choose this one because it's the one that we feel most passionate about. So that's, you know, that we've always been very, very open about that. But I do believe that what you just said, a lot of the times money is just the excuse. It's kind of like, oh, well, you know what? I really hate those people. But if they paid me enough to actually buy this or to actually do this, then maybe I can put up with that. And I think that's just kind of like pushing the inevitable. It's putting a bandaid on it. Yeah. You use the example of you just spend more and it's like that. It's the thermostat. What I don't know. I'll call it a career happiness thermostat, right? You, you ask for more money, but then eventually you get used to that amount of money and you're going to be, you're going to fall back in the same exact issue. You're going to say, Oh, I still don't like these people. I'm getting paid more, but I'm still not happy until you get to the core of the problem and not put a bandaid on it. It's inevitable. Like you said, who is the ideal person that you normally work with? Like if you said, listen, this is the one person that I know that if they come to me, I know that we can literally hit it out of the park and I can help them turn their life around. Yes. A business professional who usually is working in some type of corporate setting will come to me and they'll say something like, I feel stuck. I am not happy where I am right now. My health is declining. I'm not sure what to do. 
help me. (laughs) And that's usually they are unhappy, but they don't know where to go next. So I'll help them gain clarity through those assessments, questionnaires, we'll assess their life balance. Maybe it's just a personal boundaries issue, or maybe it is actually, you know, helping with interpersonal relationships in the workplace. And we'll get to the bottom of it. And I do have some who say, you know what, it's the nature of the work. And so we go through, is there another position within the company? Because some people are so quick to look beyond the company. They're almost like either there's a fear factor put into, if I talk to my boss about wanting to apply to the position with the company, but it's so much easier to move within a company you're already in. You can transition from reporting to sales. I've seen it happen time and time again. And so those individuals, or they might just need a whole new job altogether if they don't like the company culture as much. That would be the primary, I can help you if you come to me, absolutely. And I think that's something that we very commonly hear, you know, as a physician, in my background, of course, the clinic that I ran was, you know, stem cell clinics. So that was very specific, but my background is age management medicine. So it's really preventative medicine. And we work with a lot of people whose health has declined. And when you really dig deep, you realize that it is because they have other sources of unhappiness and of not being satisfied. And then obviously, well, you know what, if they start badly and they don't want to go to work, then they are not going to take care of what they eat. They're not going to take care of how well they sleep, you know, because when night comes, they just want to watch Netflix and they don't necessarily want to go to bed because that means that they wake up and they have to go to work. So it's a spiral and I've seen it very often. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be able to relate to that. So that's, it's very, very valuable to learn that you're currently doing that. Now, I also know though, that you work directly with companies. So on the one side, you help those executives who are, you know, or these high performers who are starting to get burned out and who are feeling stuck, but you also work the companies that they might be working for. How do you actually work with these companies? Great question. So with the companies, I provide workshops and even I'll go to a company. Let's just say that there's, if there's any listeners who's in a director role or VP role, manager role, if they're finding that their employees are not performing as well as they want to, then I do a couple different things with them. I still do one-on-one coaching but I just do it within the companies. It would be confidential one-on-one if there's a team that's just wanting that one-on-one coaching. And then also I do corporate workshops. So there's a couple different topics that I tackle with corporate. Um, Stress relief trainings, company-wide, I can provide them on Zoom or provide them face-to-face. I also do work-life balance trainings. I call it life balance, but everyone knows work-life balance, so I still use that term. And then also leading authentically is a workshop specifically for leaders on healthy leadership, using their healthy leadership inside out. So it's very wellness-based, how you as a leader respond to stress, how you react to your team, and then how do they react to you and just reformulating your stress response and how to better move forward. And then lastly, healthy habits workshop. So, I mean, really just a well-rounded holistic approach and providing those one-on-one interactive workshops for employees Yeah, I love it. I love what I do. That's amazing. (laughs) So So just to be clear, if somebody's feeling unhappy and stuck at their job, your recommendation is not for them to wait it out and to see if it'll pass. And then suddenly one day explode and quit and, you know, just leave the place storming and never look back. Right. That's probably not the best way to go. No. (laughs) 
if you have an exit strategy to say very unkind words to everyone and burn all your pages on the way out, that is not the way to go. Okay. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to be clear. Yes. <laughs> Good. So Shannon, thank you so much. I mean, I do want to take a minute and acknowledge you for the work you're doing. I think as we were talking at the beginning, I think that even work has dramatically changed over the last you know couple of decades and even more so and more dramatically over the last couple of weeks and months with this world crisis that you know, that we've been living through and we feel like we're already past, but that has really shaken things up and that has really changed the way a lot of people are looking at things. I know that after spending so much time at home and away from work and really figuring out or being forced to think about what's really important in life, I know that a lot of people are reassessing these necessities. A lot of people are finding themselves without a job and now they figure out or they had the time to really stop and think, you know what, I wasn't really that happy there. Of course, it, it paid the bills, but I wasn't even that happy. So the fact that there is somebody who's found a calling in this and helping people really perform to their best and live their best life, because really, when you're at a place that you feel valued, then you're able to live your best life. And that has a ripple effect to your family and your friends and the people you love and the, the community that you live in. So thank you so much for doing that work and for reaching out and for helping all these people who need that help and all these companies who need to learn these new ways of uh, working. Of course. Yeah. And it's like you said it best is you're, when you feel valued and when you're happy at work, you truly are living your best life. You're a better husband, a better wife, you're better parents, you're a better friend. You just, it is so such a well-rounded connected thing that it's so essential to find whatever that means, find that happiness because you will, your quality of life will increase, your health will increase. It's all interconnected. Exactly. Exactly. So Shannon, where can people go out and find out more about you? They say, you know what? I think this lady will definitely be able to help me get unstuck. Where should people go to? Yeah. So my website is www.livewellpage.com, L-I-V-W-E-L-L-P-A-I-G-E. And they can also find me on Instagram, same handle at livewellpage. And yeah, that's where you could best find me. Awesome. And you guys know the drill. All of these links are down in the description. Whether you're listening in a podcast app, you scroll down and you can see them there. If you're watching on YouTube, same thing there. That way you don't have to be misspelling it two or three times and Googling Shannon. You can just get the links directly there. Shannon, once again, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today and helping us really understand and acknowledge this life balance that we are really living and you know it's in everyone's best interest so thank you once again so much uh, for doing that anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we say goodbye yeah um so right now especially with the workshops and everything going on i'm offering a free stress relief workshop to employees so even if you're you work for a company and you think this is something that maybe you would enjoy your employees would enjoy then have someone reach out to me or reach out to me yourself and i'd be happy to come on board and help everyone perfect well thank you so much for the offer one final question did you have a good time here in the highwood health I did. Oh, it was so fun. <laughs> That's great. That's what I like to hear. For everyone listening, I hope you guys did have a good time as well. You know where you can find the links to everything that we've spoken about. And I think that's pretty much it for us today. If you have any questions, send them our way. I'll make sure that if they're for Shannon, I'll send them 
her way and maybe we'll do a follow-up or we'll figure out a way to get your questions answered. Thank you once again for tuning in. I'll see you here next week. Thank you for listening to Dr. E's Highway to Health show, helping you learn the science of living ageless. Did you enjoy the show? Please like, share, and subscribe where you listen to podcasts. Dr. E wants to hear from you. Go to dre.show. Again, that's dre.show. Until next time, this is Dr. E's Highway to Health, helping you live ageless. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Shannon Rollins. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as we explored how you too can create life balance. What was your favorite takeaway? Tag me on Instagram or connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think. And by the way, remember that you can find the links to everything we discussed in this episode in the show notes. Just scroll down to this episode's description on your podcast app and tap on the appropriate link. Speaking of links, remember to check out podcastinabox.co for all your podcasting needs. If you are a busy entrepreneur looking to grow a personal brand and instill trust in your clients, there is no better way to do it than with a podcast. To learn how the team at Podcast in a Box can help you do just that, simply head on over to podcastinabox.co and find out more. And if you already have a podcast but find it hard and time-consuming to keep up, they can help with that as well. Seriously, and I might be biased here, but they're amazing. Just head on over to podcastinabox.co and let them know that Dr. E sent you. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You've been listening to Shannon Rollins and Dr. E talk about achieving life balance. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you here next week. And remember, you are on the highway to health and I'm your guide to get you there.